Welcome to episode 50 of the Relationship Marketing Podcast with Cody B. Today's guest is Jerome Gafford. Jerome has over 35 years of sales, sales training, and executive leadership development experience. His cut the fluff, give your stuff presentation style will help your organization move from status quo to status go. Jerome has found that struggling sales organizations suffer from many of the same primary ailments. In order to address these conditions, he works with the team to diagnose the symptoms, develop a treatment program to correct the issues, and provides follow-up to ensure the patients are recovering and performing well. Since 2007, Jerome has focused his energy and expertise in professional selling to work with companies looking to get their selling operations off life support. He developed and initiated the Center for Professional Selling at the University of North Alabama in 2010 to prepare undergraduate students for careers in professional selling. Since 2017, he has worked with the sales program at the University of Texas at Dallas to develop world-class sales talent for the 21st century. Through his involvement as a sales professor in higher education, he has developed and delivered numerous educational programs to train and empower salespeople and sales leaders at all levels of skill and expertise in the industry. And now, Cody B. Hey everybody, this is Cody Bateman. Welcome to another episode of the Amazing Relationship Marketing Podcast. It's amazing because of the incredible people that we get on here every week. I got to tell you, boy, I sit here and do this so-called interviewing, and I just, I, I learn so much every week. I kind of forget that I'm actually interviewing. <laughs> There's just so much good content. I like to take good notes. I've always loved being a student. Uh, I loved going to college. I thought college was great. I loved being in court, uh, you know, the different classes and courses and going through semesters and learning from professors and things like that. And and, uh, you know, it's part of what this podcast has been able to do. In fact, speaking of professors, we got one on with us today, Mr. Jerome Gafford. How you doing, my friend? Doing well, Cody. Thank you so much. Good to be here with you today. Well, we're excited to hear from you. So we, Jerome Gafford is the sales doctor. <laughs> got a PhD and a lot of great things. We were just talking in the pre-show a little bit about your dissertation that you did, which I'm fascinated by, by the way. So for all of our listeners, you know, we got a super smart guy on with us today and he's going to talk, you know, some, some analysis behind why people do what they do, uh, what works and doesn't work in the sales process uh, just really good stuff. So I hope you got a notepad out and you can take some good notes. First of all, you, you, you're a good old Southern boy down there from Alabama. You got all these quotes. I, I just want to start by your quotes, man. You got some cut the fluff and give you the stuff. I, I mean, that, no, that's, that's good. So what does that mean? You, 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 like you walk right in and say, we're going to cut the fluff and give you some stuff and help turn your sales organizations around. So those are some big words. What does that even mean? Well, it's just it's mainly built around the idea that uh, when, when we walk in, whether we're working with a group of students or whether we're working with a, a corporate entity, a selling organization, uh, you know, time is of the essence. We, our, our goal is to, uh, to assess what's going on and find out what the issues are, show them exactly what they can do to fix those issues and get them out there being productive. You know, my, as, a, as a sales doctor per se, uh, if, if I don't diagnose the problem before giving a prescription, then that's, they, they call that malpractice in the medical business. It's the same thing in the sales world. And so when I, we walk in, we cut the fluff, give them the stuff, you know, here, here's what's going on, here's what you got to do to fix it, and here's what we're going to do to make it happen. 
So you have a lot of clients, like corporate clients, that you go in and do that for? We do, and I'd like more, but I'm not sure. We have some we work with on an ongoing basis, uh, through not only through our program here at UT Dallas, but at some other universities where I've taught. We have built that corporate environment because they come in, they're, they're looking for people to fill roles in their company. And of course, one of my jobs at that point then is to find out exactly what they're looking for and then we try to create that in the students that we're developing for those roles. Okay, so here's what's interesting is we, we in, in a lot of our courses here on this podcast, we, we talk a lot about today's day and age. Now, this is, a, this is a show about relationship marketing. It's all about creating relationship through the marketing and sales process. Relationships are more important today than they've ever been before in the whole process. And a lot, a lot of the sales professionals that come on here, they talk about um, selling by assessment rather, by, rather than by presentation. So as a salesperson in the past, you would go in and you had this big pre presentation. You might have this sales deck and whatever, and you got all these closing tactics and how to overcome objections and blah, 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 all this stuff that, that has been around for years. And, uh, as you know, I noticed that those on YouTube will have seen the big smile you just had on your face because those, that methodology really doesn't work in today's world. And we talk a lot about assessment, you know, it's more sales by assessment. And what you're saying is you go in, you might go into a corporate setting or into a business and you want to help their sales organization to be better. And the first thing you do is assessment. You assess where they're at, what they're doing, why they're doing it, what works, what doesn't work. Take us through that process. I mean, what, how, how do you assess a sales team? Well, the first thing we look at, of course, I mean, you've got to look at some numbers to begin with to see where they are. And what we find, and again, some of this stuff hasn't changed much over the years, Cody. We typically find that the sales team is, is represented by about three groups. You've got the, the top end, the high performers. You've got the lower end, the ones that are, that are struggling pretty, pretty significantly. And then you get that group in the middle that makes up about 60% of the sales force that some of them are doing okay, some of them are struggling, and they kind of bounce back and forth from month to month. And so what I try to do is go in and assess what they've been doing and see the items that they're doing that are working. And then let's, we coach around those particular things. You know, here, here's what worked before. You know, why are you not doing some of these same things on an ongoing basis? And oftentimes it's, it's kind of cyclical. A, a salesperson will oftentimes they'll see some success in one area of activity. Uh, they'll, they'll start to enjoy that success and then they cut out the activity or they start dropping back on the activity that drove that success. And then they wonder why they're not seeing success anymore. And so they get into this up and down cycle of things that are going on. And we try to work around some of the specific areas that they can do to, to get away from that or get back on track to do what they're doing. But a lot of it is built around that particular thing you just mentioned. And that is we have to make sure that they understand the buyer. And, and oftentimes when, when someone starts realizing some success in their activity and in their position in the company, they tend to start focusing more on themselves and on the company than they do on the customer. And when they do that, the customer starts to back away and they don't know why. And it's just because they haven't stuck to their guns at what was working for them. And if we get them back focused on that, creating value for the customer, understanding what's important to the customer, and building that, that scenario based on what the customer tells them that they want, not what the salesperson thinks that the customer wants. So why, why do you think, because it seems to me like a lot of salespeople and, and, you know, 
in different professions, there's different type of sales organizations. You know, as an example, there's inside sales, there's, there's corporate sales, there's single tier compensation, there's multi-level marketing compensation, there's, you know, direct sales companies, network marketing companies. So there's a lot of different types of sales organizations. And I've noticed that through all of them, it kind of doesn't really matter which one it is, salespeople, like you said, they'll, they'll, they'll have a few things they do really well. They do them really well consistently. They have success. For whatever reason, they start not doing those things. But even more so, they want to start training. Like everybody wants to be a trainer. Like, like you sell some stuff, you have some success, and then all of a sudden everybody just wants to migrate over and be a, why is that? Why does everybody want to be a trainer today? I mean, why, why don't you just stick with the stuff that makes, because, you know, the top level salespeople make the most money, right? Right, right. So what is it? What is it? I think I think one thing that I see with a lot of folks we talk with is is that tenacity is missing in a lot of people today, and and some of that I believe is driven by again by the industry that they're in, maybe by their their leadership. Uh, the, the leadership is is gets too focused on things that kind of break them away from that relationship development with their customers, and especially in the inside sales because they are focused a lot on generating new leads, new business, that kind of stuff. And then they, they tend to hand that off to somebody else. But I, I think that tenacity, they, they, the person gets really good at what they're doing. You know, sales is, sales is not a difficult job, but it's not an easy job either. And, and a lot of people just, they get to a point in their life where they say, you know, um, either they're having hardship or something's going on. And, and we, we oftentimes, what, whatever's happening in their mind is what we have to help them identify before we can fix it. And once we figure out, you know, it could be a personal issue, it could be, you know, a health issue they may not even are aware of. There could be any number of things that are going on that we try to get them focused on, on resolving those issues and get them back into focusing on the customer more. The, it's amazing at the opportunities, not only with our students, but also with our corporate people. If I can get them focused on doing what's right for the customer more and more and more, all of these slumps, all these issues that they're having tend to just go away. Boy, that's powerful. That's real powerful. I want to make sure listeners are hearing that. So you, you, you go in, you assess, assess a sales organization. They have some success and they have problems and they have issues and, the, and they go from being efficient to not being efficient. Now, are you saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this is what I heard you say. What I heard you say is the best way the best way to get people back on track is to get them to get out of their own head and to folk and to turn their focus back on the customer. Is that, is that what you said? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, in, in the essence, in any kind of a successful sales role, you know, if, if you're helping the customer achieve what they want to achieve in their particular situation, then you're not really a salesperson anymore. You're just an advocate to help them get where they want to be. And if, if we can get our salespeople, get our teams focusing on that, get them focusing on, you know, you know talk to the customer and, and instead of just throwing up on them with features and benefits of the product, you know, ask them, you know, what, what, you know, if you could build, if, if you, in your mind, if you could picture the perfect scenario that you would like to accomplish in your company, what would that look like? And let the customer tell them then what that's going to look like. And then the salesperson just has to build that scenario for them. And everything at that point is focused strictly on the customer. That assessment piece that you're talking about, really is just asking the customer the, the questions that you need to ask them to get you to tell them exactly what they need, you, what you want to know from them. 
do you see that salespeople, generally speaking, and even your students, are, are, are they getting this message? I mean, are they getting the message that they need to assess and care more versus try to be transactional and close more? I mean, are you seeing them shift over or is it still a struggle to get them there? Well, that, that in essence, I think is where we, we, we try to make that jump from, the, from being a good salesperson to being a great salesperson. And for a lot of people today, that that is not an easy jump to make because they, you know, they, in our minds, if if we get into a situation where we feel challenged by whether it be a selling scenario, interacting with somebody brand new, we tend to default back to what we know, and that's where we get into to spilling all the features about a, a product or a service, and and we don't ask them the questions because. I think a lot of people just, they haven't learned how to ask the right kind of questions. And that gets back into the relationship that you guys talk about so much. If, if you build that relationship with the person and you can have a conversation with them, then there's no adversarial piece there anymore. And, and the trust factor comes way up. And, and as you talk to these people and ask them, you know, what's going on in your current situation? You know, if, if you could improve on one or two things, what would that be? You know, if you could build a perfect scenario for your, your company, what would that look like? And let them tell you what's going on. You know, and, if, and if you ask them the right kind of questions and get them telling you what's going on, what they like to accomplish, then it's real easy to become an advocate for them and them for you as well. It's all about relationships. Incredible. Right. It's, it's pretty simple stuff. Now, you, you're, you're a professor. I mean, you have classes, people like you're at the uh, University of Texas, Dallas. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Now you teach, now correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like you have two courses. One's called Principles of Marketing, and there's another one called Intro to Professional Sales. Now, so are these like, uh, when I was in school, it was like 100 classes, 200, 300, 400, based on your year. So would this, is that still how it is? It is here. We're on a 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. But what would these be? Would, the intro, the, the intro to marketing class is, or principles of marketing is a 300 or 3000 level class. So it'd be it, like a junior in, a junior in college would take? Some sophomores, primarily juniors. This, this is a course that's part of what we call our core in the school of management here. In other words, every student that's studying some kind of business degree takes the principles of marketing class. So we teach like, at this university, we teach 25 or 30 sections of it every semester. Wow. And then you have the intro to professional sales. Is that a 4,000 course or? That is a three, uh, it's an upper level 3,000 course as well, because again, it's part of the core. Uh, we are, th that course is more focused on the, what we consider the foundational pieces of, of moving into a sales career. We, we teach some of the basic processes of prospecting and CRM and how to build a presentation and how to build value for the customer and all, all the, found, you know, the foundational steps in the selling process. And then from there, during that class, we introduced the students to a lot of the, the cultural piece of a sales role. We introduced them to a lot of corporate partners so that they can pick up on the culture that's going to be, uh, that they're going to be involved in as well as the expectations that the industry is going to have of them to perform in that role. So you wrote the curriculum for these courses? For these courses here at Dallas, I, I was in on the, the curriculum development. They were actually they had already been teaching a sales program here for a couple of years before I got here. But prior to my coming to Dallas, I started the sales program at the university of North Alabama back in Florence, Alabama. And we I built the curriculum for everything at that program. 
Wow, that's fascinating stuff. I, it takes me back to my college days forever ago, but it's fascinating, you know, to to listen to how that process works. So uh, now these folks, these students, are, are most are would this be an electoral credit or is this a, a required credit? The the intro to sales class, if you're a marketing major, is a required course in the marketing degree. Uh, we have it also in at UT Dallas. There, are, of course, a number of different degree plans, not just in the School of Management, but all over the campus. About twenty-eight thousand students all together here on this campus, and we have about fifteen thousand of those students that are in the School of Management. So we've got a pretty good mix of students from several different degree plans, and a lot of those degree plans have what they call directed electives, and those are electives that they encourage their students to take outside the normal realm of their degree plan. For instance, if a, a student's majoring in finance, the bulk of the classes they take in their junior and senior year are gonna be finance type classes. And the, the advisors in that program will, will encourage their students to come over and take the introduction to professional selling class because no matter what their role is gonna be in the finance world, being able to communicate with people, sell your ideas, sell yourself is what that, they're gonna to have to do that in any role. So we teach them a lot of those foundational concepts in how we build the intro to sales class. Okay, so when I was in college, I got a degree in marketing. It was actually uh, considered a degree in communications. Advertising was the focus, but it was a marketing degree. In my senior year, so my equivalent of your 4,000 classes, we had a senior class project in my marketing course, required a course to graduate. We had a um, we had a case study that we had to do and I was part of a six member teams, uh, five other students and myself had to create an advertising campaign for, um, and we had to compete with the other teams uh, to go get the business. Right. So it was a full on, like it was powerful. Like, it, you know, they say a lot of stuff you learn in college, you never use. Well, let me tell you this course I've used my entire career, it was phenomenal. Do you have stuff like that in these? I mean, is it, is, did, did they have to do like case study type stuff? They actually have to go sell something or? Right, the, in our intro to sales class, the couple of things we're doing to prepare them for that role is we're actually teaching them some of the base components, you know, CRM system, how to prospect, how to network, how to build those relationships. And they have assignments throughout the semester that they're working on to do that. And then when they move into our advanced sales class, uh, which is taught the following semester or usually two semesters after they take the class that they're in now, then they do carry a live quota in that class. And they are assigned a territory. They manage that territory. They have to con uh, contact people that, are, um, that, are, that they're looking to introduce to our program. The, the, the couple of things that they're, the students are looking to sell, uh, one is, is like a sponsorship where a company can make a financial contribution to the sales program and they in turn can come be part of the events we have on campus and have an opportunity to recruit some of our students. But our students that are going through the advanced program, they have a quota that they have to hit in that class. And that, that quota is part of their overall grade in the class. And so wow. they are selling, they're selling a live product. They're making contact with real customers. They're having to build their, their marketing campaign. They're having to build their presentation skills. They're having to get used to talking to people on the phone, going out and having face-to-face -face meetings, all that, all that stuff. Now, does some of that turn into like internships? Do you have like inter intern with real companies and? Yes, 
Are yes, most internships today paid paid interns or are they free interns? I did an internship. I didn't get paid a dime. A two months full time, uh, New York City internship, twelve hours a day, six days a week. Didn't get paid a dime for two months. Um, but today, well, I try to I try to hire interns. I got to pay them. <laughs> I have to pay them today. So what, how's that work? The the unique thing about the sales program and and our program here at Dallas, we're we're one of about. 60 or 70 schools that are part of an organization called the University Sales Center Alliance. And that is an organization of schools from around the country that have sales programs like I've just explained to you. Uh, there are not that many schools that teach professional selling as a degree plan because it is still considered in a lot of the, the world of academia, it's considered more of a practitioner-based specialty than it is an academic-based specialty. And so as a result of that, you, 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 won't, you won't go to like a Harvard and see a degree plan in professional selling. But for schools like UT Dallas, and we have, we have Baylor's got a program here in Texas, and UT Arlington's got a, a program as well. But we, we're focused on it from the standpoint of it's a great way to get our corporate partners involved in what we're doing at the education level. Uh, and by that, I mean, you mentioned internships. Most all of our students uh, that are taking marketing and professional selling they are required to have an internship at some point before they graduate. Right. So they can get certified through the Sales Center Alliance and we re require that that internship be a selling internship. And if they've got certain guidelines they have to hit in that process. They have, to, they have to travel with sales reps, they have to work with sales managers, they have to understand the prospecting processes, understand how they deal with customers on a day in day out basis. And so those are all paid interns just because the companies, again, most of our selling companies are just struggling and starving to find good people to come in and fill sales roles. So they're willing to pay the internship program. Sure. Come in for a, it could be for a three month time in the summer. Some of them are six months where they spill over from summer into a fall or fall into a spring. And then when a the student graduates, the companies in about 90% of the cases will offer them a full-time position with that sure. company. No, that's great. It's a great process. I believe wholeheartedly in it. Which brings up my controversial question next, you know, this, the, the world of entrepreneurialism that we live in today and social media and everything else, you hear all this noise everywhere that you no longer need a college education. You know, you, you just, there's, there's so much information out there and so many online courses and different things that other people are offering that you can learn and just go out to school of hard knocks and go you know, uh, start your career and make your millions of dollars that way. What do you, what do you say to that? Is, is, is college education important for these young kids, millennials today? The, the thing I like about the, the world of higher education and finishing a degree is, is for not only for the, the student themselves, but also for companies that may be looking to bring them on board. Uh, is, it, it is a task that is put in front of you that you're able to compete and complete with some success. And so I think the, when, I, when people ask me that question about, you know, should, should they really worry about getting a degree? You know, I, I think there are probably a certain percentage of people in the world today who college may not be the right thing for, at least not right now. They're, they're at a stage in their life where mm -hmm. college may not be the best route for them to take. And, and that could be for any number of reasons. I mean, I, you know, when, when I was 18, 19 years old, I didn't know if college was the right thing that I needed to do. And so it took me 22 years to get my first degree. I was on the 22 year undergraduate program. So I went to school hmm. for a year and a half and then I went on the road doing sound for rock and roll bands for about 10 years. And then I decided to go back and finish a couple of degrees. So, you know, it just depends on what's going on in the individual's life. Now, 
I also tell my students this, and this is another one of these Alabamaisms. Um, I don't believe that you can ever be overdressed or overeducated. And so whenever we're building relationships with people and, and they ask me what the dress code is going to be for a particular event, that's what I tell them, you know, make your, make your first impression on someone one that is one that they remember for the right reasons. And so, and educating yourself is the same thing. If, if you continue, and you mentioned this at the beginning of our, of our talk here, that, that it, it's exciting and it's exciting for me as well to, to be able to learn new things and be able to share that with other people. And had I not had the, the time that I got to spend working on my higher education, I wouldn't have some of the experiences that I have today. And in order to earn people's trust, when I'm talking to a corporate person or to a, a sales manager, I have to be able to earn their trust, not only in how we build that relationship, but also they have to be able to trust me based on what I know and what I can bring to them in order to add value to their operation. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I, I'm a strong advocate of education of any kind. And I think, you know, I, you got to follow your own heart to some extent, but by golly, you better be learning. Yeah, you better yeah, be learning. Yeah. Because it, you know, it's like, it's like in business. If you, if you're not always improving or not constantly growing and you stop, then you're falling behind because everybody else is going to be growing past you. So you've got to stay on top of your game and and, you know, the, the educating yourself is a big part of that. There, there are tremendous resources out there for people that want to advance that and keep doing some additional things. But, but again, you got to be careful. There's a lot of things out there online today, stuff that's available to people that, uh, that I don't know is always in the best interest of, of, of a business person or especially a salesperson that they're trying to put too much focus on things that really don't drive success well you have to be careful and it, you know it's there's a lot of for-profit training programs out there today and i'm a huge fan of of the training industry a huge fan of online training courses i think they're wonderful but you do have to be really careful because there's just a lot of there's so much so easy for anybody to to put on a course and then if they know social media at all they can promote that course so you have to be really careful to make sure you get quality content because uh, after all, you're spending harder money to learn stuff. Better make sure you're learning the right stuff. And so, uh, you know, I think that's really important today. So, um, yeah, I mean, good criminy. We could go into all kinds of stuff here. Now, you, uh, uh, current and recent research. This is interesting to me. Um, you've done research on Salesforce uh, efficacy. I love this second one, and you we mentioned in the pre-show you did your dissertation on this millennials' propensity for compensation models. Right, right. And that's something I have a personal interest in because I run several businesses, and we're always looking for new compensation plans for our salespeople. So that one really caught my attention. Right. Uh, and then you have will versus skill in selling productivity will versus skill tell me a little bit about that well that's where we get into determining um things about the individual based on various conversations and assessments we can do but it, it's basically looking at you know we we can give give somebody the skill I, I can teach somebody how to sell the the will to sell is something that has to come from within and so we we can oftentimes have this conversation with an individual look at some specific things based on a couple of assessments we can do. And we can start to determine if, if they have a fear of, of, you know, conducting certain steps of the selling process, we have to go in to determine why that fear exists. And then we can help them do things to get over that fear. And that starts to get in that, to that will to sell. 
Um, you know, again, I, you know, I can teach somebody how to make phone calls. I can teach them how to go do presentations, but if they don't have the will to go out there and make that, if they don't have some kind of a goal or some sort of a, of a success drive to get them where they want to be, they're oftentimes are not going to do it because as soon as they have the first setback or first drawback in that process, then they will t- tend to withdraw from the process even more. And so, right. looking, yeah. So let me ask you a question. Uh, let's say I bring you, you're, you're running a company and your job is to hire Salesforce. I'm going to bring you two candidates. Okay. The first one has the will. They don't have the skill. The second one has the skill, but they don't have the will. Which one are you going to hire? I'm probably going to hire the one that's, if, if I've identified that he's got the will to t- do what it takes to be successful, I can teach him what he needs to know. I, I can't always teach somebody will. I, I, can, I can help them understand what they need to do to be successful, but until they have that drive built inside of them, it, it's hard to pull that out. Oftentimes you have to, you have to analyze what's going on and, and look at the skills, but then you also have to look at where their talents lay. And if, if they don't have some natural talents there that, that are tied to this will to be successful, then sometimes that's hard to do. And, and oftentimes it takes something happening in their life to make them have a change of heart or a change of mind. It's that, that distance. A lot of people focus on the distance between your ears and that's where we can teach skill, but the distance between your head and your heart is where the will comes into play. And that's where wow. they get focused on what they got to do to be successful. So you're going to take will over skill because you, you can teach the skill. It's interesting to me because, you know, there, there's, there are some methodologies to help people on the will side of it. You know, uh, what's between your head and your heart and how to get, you know, how to get in alignment with the best version of you as a human being, what you can offer in the marketplace. We teach a lot on that. We teach a lot on uh, find, find out who you are and give the best version of you away to other people in your business ventures. We do teach on, on creating that will and having the proper goal set, mindset, stuff like that. But it's interesting to me that most people, they want to they wanna jump over that to go to the skill side. Like they want to jump over all the foundational stuff and they want to say, oh yeah, that's all cool, but g- give me that five step thing. Give me the five steps that's going to help me, you know, collect my check at the end of the month. Yep. Why, why are people so afraid of what's in here versus the actual skills? Cause you, I mean, to me, it's a common sense question. I can ask a question to anybody. Are you going to hire a will over skill or skill over will? Nine out of 10 people are going to hire will over skill, but people don't want to learn the will. Right. Why is that? You know, I think part of it's in our subconscious, Cody. I know from the time we grow up and, and some of the research that we've looked at on that say somewhere around the age eight, nine, maybe 10 years old, uh, kids have, have grown up and they've, and they've got this wide open mindset and, and they, they're always asking why and, and, they, and they continue to think and, and they're, they're, they're wanting these positive things to come about in their life. But so much negative stuff gets dumped into us in our subconscious that they start, the subconscious starts to take over and becomes more of a protective mechanism than it does a growth mechanism. And all the mindset research that you mentioned is, is focused on how to go back and see why that happened and look at what we can do to kind of change that. And for a lot of people, it, it's just a fear thing. They, they, they've, you know, their parts of their brain, parts of their subconscious are telling them all the time, okay, you know, if that person tells me no on the phone, it's just going to break my heart because, you know, my mom or my dad wouldn't give me the 25 cents to buy a pack of gum when I was 10 years old. 
So they, they just, they don't want to have to deal with, with hearing what they think is a personal attack on themselves if somebody says no. And the subconscious kind of jumps in and takes over some of that stuff. And so we, we try to get them focused on, you know, looking at that mindset change, build that growth idea, you know, looking at things from, from a different scenario and, and realizing that, that, that a no doesn't mean no forever, it just means no right now. And so then that, that's just one example of that. But I think that, I think the subconscious, how it gets beat down as we move out of our adolescent years into our teenage years and early adulthood, we, we tend to, to start to, um, to respond in a negative format because of everything that's been beat into us. And, and for someone in a sales role, I mean, I'd say it, it, it's not a difficult job, but it's not, a, not an as easy of a job as some careers because you are forced to think and be flexible in how you respond to different situations. And some people, for whatever reason, just can't get a grasp on that as they get older. Wow. It's fascinating stuff. You're listening to Dr. Jerome Gaffer, known as the sales doctor, one of those smart guys that's out there teaching our students and our kids and going in and helping companies and businesses to better their sales and marketing efforts. I'll tell you, Jerome, it's been a, it's been an honor to interview you today. I, I just love to sit back and listen to your stories and whatnot. And I, I always like to close the show uh, by giving you the floor. I mean, I've asked you a bunch of questions and you've kind of been stuck to the format that I've asked. So I'd like to end the show by just turning it over to you and just, just have you, whatever you want to talk about, just share with us, with this audience, what you feel is really important for people getting into the sales uh, profession today. What are, what, are, what are the most important things you should focus on to be massively successful in sales? Well, you know, we talked about, I think this, this idea that I, that I try to get across to my students and to the people I work with is, you know, you've got to understand what's important to the customer. And I think a lot of people today get too focused on what they think is important to the customer without ever actually asking the customer what's really important to them. So understanding what's of value, understanding what, what the customer really wants you know, and, and building that trust piece in the relay. I think that's, that's one of the crucial things that the great salespeople have to do. They have to get better at understanding exactly what it is that the customer wants. And then, then you can talk about what you and your company can do to help them achieve that goal. A good friend of mine here in Texas, Brian Flanagan, he, he uses the example of being in the transportation business. He says, he said, always find out where they are, find out where they want to go, and then our job in the transportation business is to help them get to, we provide the vehicle to get them from point A to point B. And that, of course, that's going to be something different for every person that you sit down and talk with. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of people going into a sales role, if they're with a particular company, particular product or particular service, they, they tend to start, I mean, it's, it's one thing to learn about how you've helped people in the past, but everybody that you're looking to help in the future is going to be a slightly different scenario. And we have to focus on what's important to the customer. I think that's one of the uh, one of the biggest things. And then, you know, one of my heroes in the in the sales world, you know, I'm sure you know this name, uh, Zig Ziglar. And Ziglar, I mean, I, of course, he's from here. He was here in Dallas. I, I get to go to his office from time to time here in the Dallas area. They, they still have the Monday morning devotional meetings that we go to and, uh, and hear different people come in and talk about uh, their, their faith and how it impacts their business. And, you know, Zig always had a common thread that if you, if you help enough people get what they want out of life, you can have whatever you want out of life. And, and I think that's, you know, boy, as, as old school as that sounds, uh, as foundational as that sounds, I think a lot of people miss that today. They, they, they tend to get 
they get too involved in in the um, in all the technology, all the the new bells and whistles of everything that's going on, and they get away from some of these fundamental concepts. and And I've always been a big fan. You know, I've I've always felt that if I can help people achieve what it is that they want out of life, then I've had a, maybe a pretty good impact on it. And that's why I like teaching school because the students that come into our program, oftentimes they're they're not real sure where they want to go, what what success looks like to them. And if I can help them stay on track and get moving in the right way to achieve what it is that they want out of life, then I feel like I've had a, a pretty good impact there. And, and it's always great for us to get the, the phone calls or the letters or the emails or our student coming by our office, you know, three or four years after they've graduated and talk about, you know, the, what they learned in our classes really helped them to be successful in their career. And, you know, there, there were times and you know, there were some people in some of my classes that I wondered how they were going to get back to their car in the parking lot when we got out of class. <laughs> and they come in and see me three or four years later and they're knocking on, you know, solid six figure incomes in a sales role and they just love what they're doing. Well, that's gotta be rewarding. It's gotta be rewarding to see that. Well, listen, you are making a difference, my friend, your reputation precedes you. I hear things about you from a lot of different places and uh, just appreciate all that you do to make, the world a better place and to prepare some of these young kids for, uh, you know, great careers in sales. Appreciate that very much. And uh, I'd like you to stay on. We're going to, uh, we're going to conclude the show here, but I'd like you to stay on with us because I've got a couple questions for you. Um, I, I have an interest in your services for one of my businesses. So we'll talk about that a little bit after the show here. So there you have it, everybody. This is Dr. Jerome Gafford, the sales doctor based out of uh, Dallas, Texas, big Alabama fan, Roll Tide. big Alabama fan. So uh, it's going to be interesting this season. A lot of great teams there at the top, but uh, thanks again for being with us today. Appreciate it so much. And all of you out there, just keep on sharpening the saw each and every week. We encourage you to get on here, uh, learn from these incredible guests that we have, take good notes, sharpen that saw of yours, keep learning, keep doing, keep growing. It's what this whole thing's all about. Uh, it is all about relationships. Uh, build them strong and help people get what they want out of life, like Zig Ziglar. And uh, of course, our guest today mentioned the great Zig Ziglar. So appreciate everybody, and we'll see you next week on yet another episode of the Relation Marketing Podcast. Take care, everybody. We'll see you now. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Relationship Marketing Podcast with Cody B, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review so that together we can get this message, The Power of Human Connection, out to the world. You can find Cody's new book, The Power of Human Connection, on Amazon or the Send Out Cards gift store.